What's up, everybody? It's uh, it's Jason and Bo. Jason, aka Captain Novice. What's up, Bo? Hey, Jason. I I feel like I'm lacking because I don't have a cool nickname that I can jump in. It's with. not a you cool nickname. Say, you know, I earned it. Always, I earned it. Shut I up. I feel slighted a bit, so it's kind of like, hey, it's Captain Novice and my co-host Bo. If you so, want to be you know, Captain Novice, be my guest. I mean, I, I, I spent. <laughs> I earned it. Fifteen years in novice earns that. So don't don't try to take my stuff. Okay. Right. Just let me have my moments. That's all I got. That's yeah. it. I mean, my kids take everything else of mine, so let's <laughs> just just let me have my name. And and even even though it was meant in the beginnings detrimental, you know, it's just kind of funny to me now, and I kind of embraced it. But right, uh, right, yeah. Let's uh, yeah, let look. Let's talk about this world superbike that happened about four weeks ago. Um, <laughs> again, somebody made us miss our normal all the jabs. Uh, podcasting. Oh man, you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna jab you every chance I get is what I do. Yeah, you don't pull them. Um, that's for sure. No, no, no pulled punches. I mean, but you know, here's the thing. Like I, I really, really like that World Superbike is in the same format of Moto America. I mean, I think that's kind of what we we patterned Moto America after, and mm. with the two races a weekend, and and uh, and the Super Pole, and I, I, I really like it. But I will tell you all the racing starts to run together for me. Oh, like, yeah. I'm looking for Matt Skoltz out there and the World Superbike. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to Skoltz? And I'm like, you know, oh, where is where is Gagne? That dude sucks today. Oh, wait a minute. We're watching World Superbike. What is Johnny Ray doing in Moto America right now? You know, that's the way I get. I get like that. But what do you think? I mean, I love it, but it's a lot of racing. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, after after a weekend, you know, especially when we have a GP weekend that lands with a Moto America weekend that lands with a World Superbike weekend right on top of it, um, you know, there's smoke rolling out of our phones and TV after we're done casting and everything and watching it in here in the house. And, and, and I feel stressed at the end of the weekend because I'm trying to put together everything that happened and remember what's going on. And, and, and like I said, I, you know, before we, before we uh, got on online here, I was talking, you know, to Ange and I'm thinking, was there a world Superbike weekend two weeks ago? And you know, like that, that weekend to me just disappeared, you know? And, and so no, I'm right there with you, but you know, yeah, it's, man. it's a lot of fun in the moment, but we almost have to go back and, and revisit all these races again, just to make know, sure that we didn't I know. miss anything. So absolutely. Well, you know, the thing is, is like, I saw, I was watching a, uh, a show, a series today called long way up. It's got Ewan McGregor. I don't know if you've ever seen long way round or long yeah, way yeah, down. Yeah, have yeah. You ever seen? Okay. So he did a long way up and, and Max Biaggi was on there. Okay. So when I was rewatching a few of the clips today, I was like, I don't know why, but I was looking for Max Biaggi and like it, that, that really happened. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I may be an idiot. Like <laughs> <laughs> Biaggi has not been there for a long, long time. Um, but you know, I, you're right. All of, and and don't forget that we're texting each other the whole time. Like we're like, oh, have you watched this? Oh, did you see that? Oh, what did you think about this? And it's not just you with me. Like it's uh, Dan, our friend Dan's texting <laughs> me. Tyson's text. So I'm having like five different race conversations, and then I'm trying not to give away spoilers because they haven't watched <laughs> this race yet. So it's stressful. You're right. I mean, we're we're very busy. So I'll, I'll the full disclosure. I can't stand group texts. Uh, you know, before we get into it, and, but but it would be easier. Group, yeah, that's a group text that I would be okay being. 
being a part of, you know, if we could all, let's, let's, let's bring this conversation to one, you know, one central area and then we can leave it there, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. No, yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump into this. Uh, I mean, this all right, is absolutely. A, this let's is start with weekend. super sport. What do you think? What do you yeah, think? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds sport? good to me. Yeah, sure. Well, look, I, I think in Supersport right now, I, I, there's a couple of things that are jumping out to me. One is, you know, when we, the beginning of the season, Steven Odendahl was, was gone. Like he was just, he was on another planet that we, we talked about it, right? The Evans brothers, uh, Yamaha R6 was mm-hmm. ruling the European R6 cup, which is what we call Supersport in, in world, you know, <laughs> yeah. world Supersport yeah. because there's so many R6s in there. But I, I think, what we're seeing now is Dominic Agurder is really uh, asserting himself well. I mean, we know he's doing double duty in Moto E, but yep. let's go over race one here. I mean, so Dominic Agurder wins as his second race win in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luca Bernardi finished second. Stephen Odendahl was third. Jules Cuzel was fourth. Uh, Manuel Gonzalez was fifth. Philip Odell was sixth. Randy Krumenacher was seventh. Kenan Chu eighth. Nikki Tuli ninth. And Fulini was 12th. I mean, I'm sorry, Fulini was 10th. And But what I took away from this is that, number one, I think Agater is, I, I don't know if the Moto E is benefiting him because he's doing a little more racing and all that. But what I feel like is that he's really coming to grips with this R6. I mean, you agree? I think so. And, and, you know, going back, we've kind of, we, we've talked about Moto E before and, and it's just awesome, it, you know, and I wish we, we did had more exposure, but I think that you might be onto something with a little bit there with those bikes, you know, they're, they're somewhat heavy bikes, but they've got tons of torque and that's all they do. is just roast tires. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's maybe all that's they do. something that he's, <laughs> that he's been able to take away from Moto E and apply to this R6 is, you know, he can start to spin that tire up and, and he can manage it a little bit better because he can manage that spin a bit better with the R6 and you know maybe add some electronics in with it to uh, you know to just to kind of to curb that tire wear just a bit and, and it might benefit him in some of these races but no he looks he's got such an a an extreme riding style too uh, I think it's fun to watch him ride because his head is so low on that bike and it's just it, it it's kicked sideways and and I, I mean to me, I would feel like I'm falling off the bike if my head was that sideways. I have to keep a horizon whenever I'm riding, but this guy's he's on a different level, and he's tons of fun to watch. It is. It, you know, it is fun to for us all to kind of uh, watch all the different riding styles because it just shows us that there's not just one body position that you have yeah. to do, right? Yep. And and basically what you're seeing there is, is just it, – it just can't – you just you can't just base everything off of the body position because you know I, even during the ridge broadcast this past weekend, uh, Roger Hayden he was like, "Hey, listen, I never drug my elbow unless I was crashing," and now these guys <laughs> are dragging their elbow all the time. But it's the same with Dominique Egger. You know, he mm-hmm. he is absolutely uh, putting his head way down there. It is strange compared because you see his head lower than everyone else when he's behind other people. It's like it's crazy, and his helmet's really easy to spot with the Swiss cross mm-hmm. on yeah, there yeah. And, you know but but yeah but whatever he's doing is working right now i mean after race one he he won his you know second race in a row uh it, leading the championship at that point and you know just doing a great job i mean really he's winning in moto e he's winning here in the super sport championship that's amazing so you know it's it's uh it's it's good days for dominic Egger. um but Luca Bernardi is st- really starting to come on. I mean, we've seen him kind of progress through. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, we definitely, I mean, steady strides forward, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, definitely excited. It's not a name that, you know, we're super familiar with. We've heard a whole lot of, but no, he's, you know, finding himself here at the front. It's it's good. It's good for him, you know, to, to be able to hold him, hold his own against guys like, you know, Jewel Cluzel and Steven Odendahl and, and even to be ahead of folks like Randy Krumenacher and, you know, and even Philip Ertle that's in this in this class as well. Lots of strong names that are in the super in this super sport class. Um, that he's keeping company with, so it's exciting to watch this class. It's a it's a tough class, you know. They all they all are right there in the thick of it with each other, um, you know. Especially in those first few the first few laps of a race, everything's really frantic, and and everyone's trying to jockey for position. But um, I really enjoy watching super on the world super sport level. Um, they just it's just hard good hard clean racing. I think. I think so too. <laughs> I, I you know. We, we talked a little bit at the beginning, you know, Stephen Odendahl taking off the first few races. We thought, mm, maybe he runs away with it. Um, that hasn't been the case here lately. But Stephen Odendahl's still riding really well. I just, I think, you know, they got the setting right, right out of the box at Aragon. And, and besides, we've talked about that bike was a rocket ship at the back straight at Aragon. I mean, I don't know what they had in there, but that thing was mm-hmm. flying. And... It seems now he's kind of come back to the pack, or they've caught up to him, and now he's having to fight a little bit more. But that is, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's not riding well. He's still riding well, but I think everyone else upped their game a little bit, found their setting and their comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're making it on the podium in this class, you're definitely doing something. I mean, they're you know we're keeping names with, like I said, once again, you know, Randy Krumenacher and Jules Cluzel. Uh, you know, these guys were fighting for championship last season, so uh, you know, or yep. season before, excuse yep. me. Um, so you, we know how talented these the all of these riders are. So if you, if you're on the yep. if you're on the World Super Sport podium, you're definitely doing something. Absolutely. Well, you know that brings me to my, my next point, which would be Jules Cluzel is not having the year that a lot of us thought he would have. Yeah, um, I agree. I he was a he was many pick many picked him to be the favorite to win the championship this year, and even is before the round in uh, Estoril, he said, "I'm confident I'll win it." But hey, man, he just can't do it right now. No, agree. I mean, I definitely thought that he was going to be, you know, a a standout, complete standout in this class this year, and it's not been the case so far. You know, of, of course, you know, in Aragon, he had a little bit of uh, bad luck and and misfortune thanks to Nikki Tooley, um, you know, just completely caught crashing in the back of him in the beginning of the race one. So, you know, yeah, that was pretty unfortunate. Sure. Um, for Nikki, sure. Nikki Tooley had a lot of pace that race, though. So I think it would have been, I think we were robbed of a really good race, unfortunately, yeah. with there. He just made a, a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but, you know, that's kind of stuff happens. It's racing. But um, no, to your point, um, Jules Cluzel just hasn't really, he's just not got that edge right now. So, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season kind of shakes out. But, um, you know, uh, fourth place here. He was, uh, who you know, five seconds off the win. So that's definitely not where he wants to be. He wants to be closer to that and be able to battle with these guys. I mean, the second and third places were just over a second off. So, you know, that first place battle was, was definitely there, and it was definitely a good fight. But um, um, unfortunately, I, I think that uh, Jules Cluzel just wants, needs to be a little bit closer. Well, yeah, and I think what we saw was also, you know, moving on down. I mean, I, so – Interesting thing about the guy that finished after Cluzel, Miguel Gonzalez, is that he's finished now 21 straight races in the points, and that is pretty spectacular. 
we we talk all the time about bringing it home. Yeah. This guy. That's what this is. Right? When you look it up in the dictionary, it's this guy. <laughs> it's now, a picture of him. <laughs> he's, that's right. Absolutely. But he hasn't. He has not won a championship. He's never really challenged for it. But there's something to be said for the guy that's not at the front that still finishes. You'll keep a ride longer if you finish races for sure. Um, and now he's you find him in the top five. You know, and then we talk about him in race two. He was there again. You know, so he's getting there, but he's done it all the while without going crazy and throwing the bike away and costing his team a lot of money and his uh, mechanics a lot of work. I mean, that's pretty impressive, and I like that. Um, but, you know, so I, I, Manuel Gonzalez is a name that we might need to be paying attention to. And yeah, you know, Manuel Gonzalez, you know, we've seen him step over to even to the GB paddock. You know, he got he rode in uh, in. Uh, um, Assen this week, this past weekend in Moto Two. So, you know, that I, I think that people are taking notice of what you're saying, Jason. They're seeing that he's putting on, he's he's continuing to bring home the bike in one piece. He's he's in points. He's not, you know, he's not throwing the bike away. He's making good decisions on the bike. He learns quickly, you know, and and that kind of speaks to what we're what we saw in Moto Two. Um, you know, really taking to the bike at the track quickly. So it, this this kid's definitely definitely something special i think and and maybe is someone to keep an eye on <clears throat> yeah i mean i'd be interested to see where his career takes him in the next two to three years and he may mo move over to the gp paddock and moto two if he can continue his run of form here in world Supersport. um finishing behind him philip odell now i also had a little bit higher hopes for odell this year you know the year is young let's be honest and they've only had six races, but I, I really thought that Cluzel and Odell would kind of be pushing the front of this class, and I was wrong. I, I really thought Odell, after the year he had last year, you know, I, he's on the Kawasaki, he's got a good team behind him. Um, I just I expected more, but you know, sometimes it's racing and it just doesn't work out. I mean, are, are you? Were you on a different page with him? I mean, what do you think? No, I mean, I think Philip Ertles is is doing what he can. Uh, you know, I mean, once again, he's on a Kawasaki. There's, I want to say, there's a lack of data. There's, there's certainly not a lack of data. I think there's a lack of, um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Um, CCs. There's not 36 <laughs> extra CCs. He well, needs those. Yeah, no, I don't think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a bit sliding, uh, a little, little bit of a slight there, but no, uh, you know these these homologated 599s. Um, the you look at the grid. How many Yamaha R6s are on the grid? You know, I think that it's, it's the European R6 Cup, man. You know it as well as I do. And, and I'm not, I'm not technically savvy when it comes to setting up a bike, and 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 I don't know the suspension voodoo, and uh, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm completely shooting in the dark here, but you know. I think it might be a bit easier to see for a team that's riding on an R6 to look at what another team is doing and how, what they're getting out of a bike and just looking at some raw numbers that are available. And I'm not talking about the nitty-gritty data. I'm not talking about something that they're going to be able to pull from an ECU or anything of that nature. But, you know, just looking at lap times and mm -hmm. and sector times. Okay. I think that teams can look and see how a bike is performing and then work towards that goal. 
and, and that's a measurable goal, right? I mean, you can see those sector times change, and, and you can you can tweak where your bike is stronger. And I think that might be somewhat of what is going on here. I think that teams are starting to extract data based on other teams' lap times and other teams' sector times, and, and those R6s are really starting to complement one another, which is why we see R6s completely fighting with R6s for, for places, you know, not just by sheer volume on the grid, but where they are on the grid as well. You know, the Kawasaki's are completely spread out. You know, Philip Orta was in um, was in sixth place. Uh, Chan Chu finished in eighth place, but and fairly close to Philip Orta, actually, you know, um, not too far back behind him. But- but let's be honest. What are you going to learn from Canon Chu? How to throw it in the gravel? This is true. Really. This is these are I big mean, facts. What are you going to learn? I, you know, I mean, Philip Odell is to, is carrying that flag. I also I thought maybe Gabriel De Rosa would be a little better on the Kawasaki. That he has he has flashes of it, but he hasn't been consistent. You talking so, about Rafaela De Rosa? I'm sorry. Yeah, not Gabriella, but Rafaela. My, maybe his name is Gabriella. So I I, I'm I, I'm very I'm much more disappointed this year in Rafaela De Rosa I would say than I am with the Philip Ertl. Um, you know we saw some struggles out of De Rosa when he was at MV and um, I never really I saw a lot of a lot of pace you know but we saw a lot of crashes too and now we're seeing the same thing out of DeRosa is we're still seeing really good pace, but we're seeing a lot of mistakes. You know, at Estoril, he was in, I was so excited. He was in the lead and, and you know, start, he broke free in the Cali and I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. He's finally going to get his podium and get his win. And the next thing you know, going into the reverse corkscrew, the front's on the uh, tucked and he's on the ground. So, mm. you know, those kind of mistakes, you can't, you've, you've got to be, you got to have a bit more self-control and self-awareness about what your race plan is and, and be more effective in your race craft. And, and, um, I, I think right now these top five guys in the, uh, in, in the super sport class, they're showing what they actually have above that and, and than everyone else. Um, and, and, you know, to your point with, uh, with channel two, I'm really uh, an eighth place finish is fantastic for him simply because he got to see a checkered flag and it was in the top 10. Oh, Chan, you may be on the bow bus. We don't know. Well, it, Dennis, it, Dennis jumped off and his brother jumped on. Mm, oh, man. So basically what you're saying is you have a problem with the Anchu family. I mean, <laughs> just go ahead and say it. Just go ahead and say it. We want to hear that. That's what, that's what you're saying. No, but, but you're right. The, Anchu's not been consistent enough. He, he needs to be more consistent and he knows it the team knows it but there's obviously talent there right yeah I mean, we absolutely. saw him yeah. show up and win a moto three race the first time he shows up in and, the rain and, and so yeah. in the rain yeah so i mean the kid is the kid is talented he just needs to get himself under control on the bike a little bit another guy that's really struggling this year is the former champion randy krumenacher yeah. um you know i i don't know i don't know what krumenacher's problem is he's on the r6 he has what seems to be a good team, but my man's just not. I mean, seventh was the the best he's done all year, and I mean that's that's where he's at right now. Maybe he's just it's taking some time. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. I th- you know we talked about this last time. I think your your question was you know do have we seen the best of Randy Krumenacker, um, you know, or do we see him kind of bounce back? And and I'm really just not seeing 
that spark out of Krumenacker again this year, like yeah, we did, no. you know, a couple of years ago when he won the championship. And you know, those were so when when he was riding, and he and uh, I think it was Caracasulo were riding together um, for the uh, Evan Brothers Bartle, the Bartle Evan Brothers team. Um, those both of those bikes that they were on were were phenomenal bikes, very strong. You know, yep. we always saw those yellow and blue bikes at the front of the pack, every single race fighting with one another, and it was really exciting to watch both of those guys go at each other. And I don't yeah, think that was. they were the best friends. You know, I don't I don't think they no. were close, and no, definitely so. not on each other's Christmas card list. But you know, now uh, the, the Randy Krumenacker that we see, um, we, we don't. I'm, I'm not seeing you know a lot of that really push through yet and and maybe it's because we, know, we don't see a whole lot more screen time but you know we do know with with grid positioning in the race comes that screen time naturally um so so oh, maybe yeah. he's really oh, mixing yeah. it up with these guys and and maybe he's really got his elbows out and he's really fighting you know back in the pa- a little further back in the pack than we're expecting him to you know he finished right in the middle of that that small pack there between uh mm-hmm. looked like it went from sixth back to eighth so yep. so he was battling with those fellows it looks like and and ended up I mean, you know in that seventh place so yeah it was the best he's done this year i mean uh, so far i mean I, I that was so so like you say maybe maybe this is the maybe this is where he starts to come around you know after this weekend and we'll figure it out but oh yeah okay so race two we had agator winning again for his third in a row bernardi again in second cluzel was third uh miguel gonzalez fourth uh, Stephen Odendahl ended up finishing fifth, even though he crossed the line first. Uh, sixth, Odell. Seventh, DeRosa. Eighth, Alcoba. And ninth, Caracasulo. And Hans Sumer uh, was in tenth. So Odendahl crosses the line first, but he gets penalized three seconds because he you know, violated track limits. Now, I don't have an issue with this penalty because this didn't happen on the last lap. This is... This was something that he had done and accumulated throughout the whole race. So I know we went on that big rant, you know, earlier this year about this track limits, warnings and penalties, but this was not a single violation. This was an accumulation. So it was unfortunate for Odendahl that it happened, but you know, this is one of those times when I would just agree and say, Hey, the rules are the rules. You know what I mean? And, and, it's unfortunate for him, and I'm sure he was disappointed, especially after he did burnouts all around on the parade lap <laughs> afterwards. Um, but you know, but for but for Dominic Edgar, it was it was another super solid race. He extended his points lead, um, doing what Dominic Dami Edgar does right now, and that is you know sticking close to the front and 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 finishing the race. Uh, Luca Bernardi, like I said, this guy's on the march and he's, uh, he's doing really, really well. I mean, second place, two times in a row is a big deal. Jules Cluzel finishing in third was, uh, was, was a good finish for him. I, I think he got a little bit lucky when Gonzalez made that big mistake at the end of the race. Um, Odendahl being pushed back to fifth because of his penalty, um, Philip Odell finishing in sixth and DeRosa finishing seventh. So there we had two Kawasaki's in sixth and seventh, mm. and they were relatively close. So hopefully these guys can get together and say, hey, listen, let's figure this Kawasaki out. You know, let's 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 make this thing faster because they need to be up there at the front battling with those Yamahas. 
Yeah, and you know, last year we saw, in, in years prior, we we saw that Lucas Lucas Myas was the uh, you know the fellow that was really carrying the flag for Kawasaki and pushing forward. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, some days Akuba would have it, but um, you know, by and large, you know, Myas was the name that we always were so, were talking about, and I think that that was more of a testament to to Lucas Myas as a uh, as a rider himself. You know, he's been he'd spent some time in the World Endurance Series. Um, you know, he's he's familiar with Kawasaki. Um, you know the big uh, ZX10, and um, and spent a lot of time also on the ZX6. So I, I just think that he's a phenomenal rider, really aggressive rider. Um, but you know, and, and not to talk about years past, but he just didn't have it when it came to Locatelli. But um, as far as uh, the reason I say that is, we really don't have anyone that's a standout right now, other than a. Uh, a Philip Ertl, you know, that that's on that Kawasaki, someone who's consistently towards the front uh, with respects to where those, um, to where the Yamahas are. Um, but it, it just, it's tough because I feel like the Kawasaki's are always getting ganged up on, you know. Yeah, and, and a little bit, yeah. Th- they've got different strengths than the Yamahas, and it's hard for them to exploit those strengths simply because that they're being swarmed um, by other teams. You know, there's something we haven't mentioned that about the Kawasaki. We've been talking about how few there are, but there was a former World Superbike rider, Michelle Fabrizio, was in these races. Fabrizio was racing a Kawasaki ZX6, and he crashed out of both races. <laughs> but, but he was there, and he used to run with the in in the in the Superbike class. Um, I don't know why you would do that. Maybe it was just for fun, but I thought that was pretty funny that Fabrizio was there on a Kawasaki. Just a side note. Um, so for Odell and DeRosa in the second race, they did a little. I mean, Odell did basically the same. DeRosa finishing is a big deal. Mark Alcoba was really, really strong for a lot of that second race. Um, he, he looked good and I, I thought he might have something for the boys up front, but he just kind of faded at the end there. Yeah. I mean, the, we could probably see a little bit of a tire, tire life, yeah, yeah, tire yeah. management to there. Um, so, uh, you know, that, and that's something that continuously gets better. We've seen that we, you know, with rookies all abroad every, it seems like every class, you know, we see a, a fast rookie, but they may not have that tire management skill, and, you know, get a little bit too excited out of the gate, but that's something that always comes with more experience in the class and more sure. time on the bike. Yep. Well, I, I think what we have in the Super Sport World Championship, besides what you talked about with the great racing week in and week out, is we've got a real race for the championship. You know, nobody's running away with that right now. I think uh, uh, Egeter's obviously leading, but he's he's not out front by a mile. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Odendahl has an answer in mm-hmm. the four weeks when they come back. You know, we'll we'll see. You know what they can do. Um, one of the things that I would like to mention, though, that now the fans are starting to return to the racetracks, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. I'm glad to see that. It's not full capacity yet, um, but they are starting to return. And they were not at this round in Mizano. This was before they started to come back, but um, they are starting to come back, and that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a long time coming. I think a lot of us are, um, you know, many of us have, have tried to to live live the best that we can during all this madness. Um, you know, live live as normal as we can. I guess I'll say. 
Well, with that, I, I'm ready to cheer on and talk about our Superbike races, which uh, in race one, to summarize World Superbike, you know, you have to talk about consistency of Johnny Ray. I mean, this guy has not been off the podium in any race this year so far, and it's only uh, four rounds or three rounds for them, but that's six races and three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And he's been on the podium for every one if he didn't win. And that's that's super impressive. Um, so with that, winning the race one, Michael Rinaldi. Razgat Lioglu is in second. Johnny Ray third. Scott Redding was fourth. Alex Lowe's was fifth. Alvaro Bautista was sixth. Uh, Bassani was seventh. Tom Sykes was eighth. Andrea Locatelli was ninth. And Michael Vandermark was tenth. Let's talk about it, Bo. Take it away. Yeah, I, I mean, race one to me was it was Michael Rubin Rinaldi. Uh, you know, he got out oh, front he dominated and took it, yeah. off. You know, and um, you know Johnny Ray uh, kind of got beat up a little bit, I think, on the first few laps, but then he really started to charge to try to catch up with Michael with Rinaldi. Um, he uh, he kind of hung. He was he he hung tight with him for a while, and then we saw a massive massive moment uh, for Johnny Ray, and that save oh, yeah. was incredible. Unreal. Yeah, and yep. but you know even even after that save, he lost one position back to you know Razgatlioglu and still maintained a podium out of that. You, you know any other any other rider possibly in this in this group, and we might be talking about a completely different story. You know we may be talking about someone that's crashed out and is not seeing any points. But like you say, you know Johnny Ray is just a, a, an incredible rider incredibly consistent and you know kind of knows what kind of package he has under him that day and just does what he needs to to bring the bike home in one piece get the points on the board and that's why he's a the world he's a, a reigning world champion multiple years in a row that's right but the day belonged to michael rubin Rinaldi, yeah, who yeah. seems to have finally figured out um the ducati they've gotten a setting that he likes and obviously he can go fast when he's comfortable and he's now that's his uh that's his I think that's his MO. When he's comfortable, he is fast. And uh, they they found it, and he got fast really quickly. That bike looked so fast coming out of turn six. It, 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 Johnny Ray just didn't have anything for him in that straight, it seemed like at all. Um, it, it was no, just imp- uh-uh. impressive to watch, you know, just to see that bike, just to, to kind of pull away from John, Johnny Ray like that. Um, yep. So, I mean, the bike's bike's a very very strong bike and you know it didn't seem like scott redding was able to extract that kind of power out of the bike or at least that kind of grip and exit drive because we saw um you know him battle with uh top rack a little bit and even coming out of that same sector it's something about it it just didn't didn't have as strong of exit drive and then with how amazing top rack is on the front end of his yamaha he just Scott Redding had nothing for him breaking into that le- that turn seven left-handed corner, and Top Rack just yeah. kept his head down from there on out and didn't turn back. I so. don't I don't know if there is a rider in any class that is as good on the front end of their motorcycle as Razgat Lioglu is on the front end of that Yamaha. I, he is unbelievable it's on impressive. the brakes. It's very impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, even you know Ray was harassing him at. Uh, Estoril, you you just cannot you cannot outbreak that guy. I mean, to outbreak that guy, you have to get an unbelievable jump on him on the drive from the previous corner, because you're not going to outbreak him without a drastic difference in speed 
on acceleration. This is not going to happen. Yeah. You got to get. You can't show him half a wheel or half a bike. You got to be all the way beside him. <laughs> yeah, you've got maybe be... even a little in front because it's not going to happen. Yeah, the game of chicken that he's available, uh, able to play on the front end of that Yamaha is, is terribly impressive. It really is. I mean, I, I I don't think there's a rider in that series or any series that I've seen where I would say. My goodness, <laughs> they're better than Raz Gatlioglu on the break. I mean, he—he—it's almost like he's just like, nah, the front end's never gonna wash on this bike, <laughs> never gonna happen. And he's just so good. But uh, you know, he ran a great race in second, and 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 he's—he is super consistent, and second the championship to Ray. But he's been super consistent this year too. Um, and you know. He's only 20 points behind Ray, so this race mm-hmm. for the championship is not over by any stretch. Absolutely. You know, and uh, he's going to be right there. He's a contender for sure. Um, we talked about Johnny Ray already. Johnny Ray just doing what Johnny Ray does. If he can't win, he's on the podium. Ho-hum, I got third. Uh, <laughs> I'm a six-time defending world champion. Look at me. I am Superman on a motorcycle. I, I don't know. Like, he's... He, what else can we say about him? I mean, I thought he ran his race really well. He had that one mistake, which is really the first mistake I've seen him make this year. And he saved it, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, we can't say too much more about him that we haven't already said. So uh, Yeah, but he's, he's just he's, he's doing everything right. The bike is still new and in development, of course. And... He's right there. If they get it 100% dialed in, well, we yeah. might see seven straight world championships. I mean, you know what I mean? So, yeah. But, but you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from the guys like Redding and Lowe's and Bautista. Bautista ran a great race on that Honda. Mm-hmm. I, I really think the Honda needs more development. And the only way they're going to get that is with the you know, more time. It's laps hope, and data. Yeah, it's laps yeah, and data. That's it, all they can do. That bike is super fast in a straight line, mm-hmm. and they just need to figure out the small details that allow Bautista to turn it and be on the brakes as well as somebody like Toprak, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. you got to figure that out. Let's figure, mm-hmm. let's make some small changes to our suspension and our geometry and so that he can be as confident as he is. Um but until they do that, I think, you know, a top five or six is about what they can hope for. That's where I think Honda is right now. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are other riders in 14th, you know, with Leon Haselman race race one. So, no, I mean. Uh, Bobus, Leon. Bobus. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, it's, it, it's, oh. it's, it's statistics. I mean, there it is. You know, it's the results. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bautista in sixth. You know, Bautista's had um, – some issues with finishing races uh, recently, but you know, to be able to not only just finish, but to bring home, uh, you know, a top six position, this is a this is very valuable to, to Honda, like you're saying. They've they've right. got to yep. have this data. They've got to be able to figure these things mm-hmm. out um, for them to be to get a full race distance fr- of info and debrief from Alvaro Batista is going to be st- is stupid valuable for them. Um, to right. be able to go back to the drawing board with that bike to say, okay, what's working, what's not working. Let's That's continue right. to find a recipe for this bike. But yeah, um, absolutely. You know. That's it. Um, You're right. And you just need time, laps, and data. You're 100% right. Yep. Um, but I like, you know, the top finisher in the independent of the independent was Bassani, and he's on a Ducati. So he did really well. I mean, I, I haven't seen him anywhere near this high this year. So 
you know, all credit to him. He had a great race. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this was a tough track. You know, some of these places on this track are one line. Um, it, we've seen it with GP racing before, but you know, he got it got up into the into good position, held it, and, and ran a really solid race. Uh, was um, finished just a tenth ahead of uh, Tom Sykes. So. You know, if you're you're able to battle with Tom Sykes, then you're definitely doing something. Come out ahead, you're definitely doing something. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Tom Sykes because he had a good race. He finishes eighth. I think top ten is good for Tom Sykes right now. You know who I'm not surprised. I'm a little disappointed in though is Vandermark. I really thought there would be more from Vandermark this year on the BMW. Uh, that we know that BMW is fast in a straight line, um, but it, it it doesn't seem to be quite there with Vandermark yet. He's had a disappointing first three rounds, I think. It doesn't seem like the longevity of that bike is there when it comes to, uh, you know, race distance and being fast. Like you said, you know, it's fast in a straight line. It's pretty good. At, you know, we saw that bike, uh, Tom Sykes, how many how many fast laps did Tom Sykes have last year on that BMW? Um, yeah. But, but as soon as the race would start, we'd see Tom Sykes yep. just slowly fade away and not be there yeah. anymore. He was um, a super pole monster. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you're saying, you know, um, you know, Vandermark's not really been um, there this year at all and, and or as as there as there as much as we thought he would be um 10th place in uh, in race one and then race uh, the super pole race he had a dnf so it, it just the the results just haven't been quite to uh um haven't been what what has been expected out of vandermark i believe no but you know who is doing really well is the rookie locatelli locatelli yeah. is uh finishing in the top 10 again i mean that's first year there learning the bike and he's he's not on a factory team. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, our our also rands and honorable mentions. I guess we got to mention our our man. You know Garrett Gerloff. He he had the penalty. He'd start from pit lane um, because of what happened in Estoril. Right. Um, so he finished twelfth, which is really a solid result from that. It really is. So you know. I wanted I wanted Garrett Gerloff to be at the front and on the podium and even winning a race, but he did what he could. You know, so I don't want to take that and kind of step forward a little bit. We haven't, you know, we didn't go over race two or the Super Bowl race yet, but 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 kind of using Garrett Gerloff as a segue into that. You know, like you said, Garrett Gerloff started from pit lane, and watching watching him start out of pit lane with that race and how much time he'd actually lost to be able to fight back. And come home in race one at 12th place after starting last on the grid from pit lane um, in this group of riders that we've seen, you know, in World Superbike at this level, um, the Super the Super Bowl race, he fought his way from 28, 21st all the way to 8th place. So he positioned himself very well for race two on Sunday, at which point he got it went from 8th um, place up to 5th place. So right. uh, all in all, th- all things considered, from what happened in Estoril, I think Garrett Gerloff takes this weekend away and says, okay, this was a positive weekend. All things yeah. considered, from all my starting positions that I've had, all I did was move forward this weekend. And and I, I, I can't, if I'm Garrett Gerloff, I can't beat Garrett Gerloff up at all about what he's done um, this weekend in Mizano. Uh, I just no. want it to. I want that to continue. I want that kind of momentum to continue yep. for him. Yep. Uh, you know, we want to see him. You know, elbow to elbow with Razgetley Oglu on the Yamaha, and, and really be up there with these guys and, and taking the fight to Michael Rubinrati, to Scott Redding, to Jonathan Ray at full race distance. And, and I think yep. Garrett Garloff is is 
close to a breakthrough when it comes to that. You know, he's already been able to finish past fellows like Alex Lowe's who who have been in this class for a while and you know have 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 ridden at the world on the world level for quite a bit and he's he's able to hold his own against some of these fellows so uh, it's it's yep. really encouraging to me yeah i what i'm hoping is that Gerloff can grab a factory ride at some point i but i would i honestly i would like to see Gerloff move over to the moto gp side um but that's another conversation for another day. I, I think what you're saying is 100% true. Had a great race uh, in terms of race one, in terms of what he accomplished, and in the Super Bowl. Um, but let's move to race two. In race two, we had Raz Gatlioglu winning, Michael Rubin Rinaldi second, Jonathan Ray third again, Scott Redding in fourth again. This time, Gerloff was in fifth, mm-hmm. Alex Lowe sixth, Bassani seventh, Alvaro Bautista eighth, Locatelli again in ninth, and again, Michael Vandermark in tenth. So, you know, what we see is the same three guys on the podium with just Raz Gatlioglu and Rinaldi um, switching places. Again, unreal on the front end of his motorcycle, yeah. Raz Gatlioglu. I, he, you, Rinaldi tried so hard <laughs> to get by this guy, but it just was not happening. It just wasn't going to happen. He he just refused. I would love to see the data and see what bar his brake pressure is at. Like I I would love to know. He's at like thirty seven bar. Most of us are at eleven, twelve, thirteen. This dude's at like thirty seven. It's unreal. It, it it's unreal. And and I would love to see it. I, I mind. I'm sure. Um, but he ran a phenomenal race and. He deserved it. I mean, like I said, this is what he's been doing this year. Mm-hmm. He he wins a race. He stays around the front. He rides unbelievably consistently, and he's he's clean. Like he breaks late, but it's clean. He's not all out of shape and making it dangerous for yeah, everybody else. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you see some of these lake breakers, the bikes sliding all over the place. It's it, it's and it's a da- like you said, it's dangerous. But but with Rasgatli Oglu, uh, Gatli Oglu. Everything is very controlled under that bike. Yeah, yeah. He 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 doesn't. He gets it out of shape a little bit, but it looks like he's controlling the slide all the time, and mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Uh, Rinaldi finishing second. That's a great weekend. It's a great weekend for Michael Rubin. Rinaldi um, made up some points on Johnny Ray. Uh, so did Raz Gatlioglu. So they kept it close. Um, Scott Redding. He's another one. He finishes in fourth again. But really, I think you and I both thought Scott Redding would be on the podium a lot more than he has been. Yeah, I, yeah. Scott Redding's not been not been the Scott Redding that we had thought was going to show up this year, I believe. And you know, we had talked about Michael Rubin Rinaldi, how it kind of takes him a bit, uh, a little bit of time to come around. But like you said, once he's comfortable, he's gone. You know, he's he's fast and he's there. And, and I think Scott Redding is chasing some of that comfort on the bike for himself at the moment. Um, yeah, you know, but yeah. but Scott Scott Redding's always you know you see his post race interviews um, if he when he does make it on the podium and um, uh, you know a podium seems like it's just not good enough for him you know and obviously he he wants to win you know he wants to be on the top step but um, I, I think it's it's tough and it's it's mentally taxing for Scott Redding to not be able to see the positive in, in some of his weekends you know he's not pitching the bike up the road like he did at Estrell he's bringing home a lot of good points so he's yep. got to got to keep everything in perspective yeah and just continue yeah. doing what he's doing I think we can say that about for everybody. I mean, I, yeah. I see Locatelli doing exactly what he needs to do in his rookie season in the World Superbike class, which is finish in the top 10, race with the fast guys, learn, learn, learn. Um, you know, we mentioned it a minute ago. Vandermark is a little bit 
it's kind of a mystery to me. He's a little mm -hmm. underperforming. I'm, I'm sure it's the bike. Tom Sykes didn't do well in that race, so maybe their settings weren't great. Um, but Gerloff had a great race and finishing in fifth. And like you said, this is what we want to see from Gerloff. If you can't be on the podium, don't run into the back of somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Just bring it home. Don't crash. Don't mess up. You know, go fast, but stay controlled. And that's yep. that's what we got to see. Um, Alex Lowe's, to me, though, has struggled a little bit the last few races. And I'm not sure what it is that he's uncomfortable with on the bike, but he doesn't look good in the hard braking zones to me. And it looks like he starts to lose the rear tire at about half race distance. He starts to really struggle, you know, getting out of corners. And and I, that's that's troubling. And I'm sure they'll figure that out. But that's where I'm that's where I'm at with Lowe's yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, so I mean, we'll see. But you know, it was a good re weekend of racing. Um, you know, and I, I, I really hope, you know, Maria Herrera was obviously okay. She just raced this past weekend for Moto E. Yep. Thank goodness. You know, she had a really nasty crash out there and race two. Uh, but overall, it was a good weekend for World Superbike. And, you know, hopefully we can talk about it next time when I don't have to rewatch the races to remember exactly what I wanted to say. But uh, I'll try to keep yeah, this on uh, schedule next time. Yeah, absolutely. That. Well, that's right. Well, I mean... You just make sure you're not stretching yourself too thin over there, and, uh, <laughs> and and we'll keep it going. But you know, I think I think that's basically it for us. I mean, the news was that Garrett Gerloff got a chance to ride in MotoGP, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, so hopefully he'll take that experience and it'll motivate him to do even better at the next round uh, of World Superbike. But uh, Bo, that's it for me. Jason, it's been a pleasure uh, as always. Um, I've really enjoyed it, and I can't wait until the next time. Oh, man. Well, listen, guys, if you're out there in podcast land, we want you to keep that shiny side up and that rubber side down. It's Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, and Bo, and we're telling you all good night, and we'll talk again tomorrow about MotoGP. Have a good one, guys.